Should be on. Test, test. There we go. Good. All right. You guys uh, ready? We're going to, we've been digging for a few weeks on uh, some doctrinal things that we're cleaning up. Is that okay to, to clean up some things from time to time? Yeah. We are in a, we're in a revival of grace. How many love grace? Did you know that, that grace is a law? <laughs> it's, a, it's a new law. I'll probably say this later in the message, but um, when, when Jesus came, he didn't throw away the old law because the law was good. The law, the old covenant was good. Why was it good? We couldn't live up to it. It revealed our sin. It made us feel guilty. Why was it good? Because our guilt and our pain and the suffering that mankind felt caused them to say, there has to be a cure for this mess. We're dying because of the sin. So there has to be a cure. And what it did was it caused mankind to cry out for a Savior. So the law was good. So when Jesus came, he didn't want to just do away with the law, because the law is what brought him. But what he wanted to do was exchange the old, ill-fitting law for now, and replace it with a new law. So, we are under a new law. It's the law of the Spirit, of life. The old law was the law of sin and death. We were sin conscious. We were very aware that everything we did was wrong. There are hundreds of laws and hundreds of commands that were wrong in God's eyes. And mankind became very comfortable with feeling guilty. But what has happened is because we are in the new law, the law of the Spirit, and because grace has come, the natural reaction to grace is, let me just be free and do whatever I want. Grace is here. There's mercy here. So I have no restrictions anymore. <clears throat> Not necessarily true. Because I'm free. We're all free right now to do whatever we want to do. How many believe that? If you want to eat this, you can eat it. If you want to drink that, you can drink that. If you want to do this, you can do this. You're free to do it. But because of the new law that was no longer written on stone, but has been written where? Written on our hearts. There's a new law that has been written on our hearts. So even though we are free to do whatever we want, the new law of the spirit of life that has been written on our hearts lets us know what's beneficial to us and what's not beneficial to us. And that internal law causes us, not God, not the church, not pastoral leadership or prophets or apostles, no one else. It causes every one of us to rise up and be empowered to choose for ourselves what's beneficial to our eternal salvation. It's the law of the spirit of life. And we are under this law of the spirit of life. And grace is the atmosphere of heaven that empowers us to live this new law. See, it was impossible to live the old law. 
No man could be perfect and uphold all of the laws. It was just not possible. So God sent his son Jesus in the form of sinful man to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. So that as he fulfilled the requirements of the law and became our sin offering and paid the penalty for all the sins of all mankind and then was raised from the dead so that you and I can now enter into a new covenant and into a new law of the spirit of life. We're in this now. And there's been this misconception that grace means there's no restrictions. That grace means I'm unrestrained. That's not true. As a matter of fact, being unrestrained is an, is an old word called lawlessness. And who is the lawless one? Satan, the original rebel. The original, he is called the lawless one. The Antichrist will be in the spirit of the lawless one. So what has happened is we've, we've grown angry at the law because when we read the Bible and we see the law, we get offended. The only way we can get offended at the law is if we're not now living in the law of the spirit of life. Because if we're living in the law of the spirit of life, we can put on the right goggles in which to perceive the old law. So when someone says, why was God so angry? Why was God so mean? Because people were being lawless. And he's a God of justice. And because he was so good and so just and so holy, he could not allow the lawlessness to continue on the earth. There had to be consequences. Because without consequences under the old law, no one knew if what they were doing was right or wrong. If, if we don't realize that if we fall down and, and skin our leg, then, then we won't realize that there's something painful that happens there and we don't, we're not careful. If we don't realize that the stove is hot when our parents say, don't touch, then we're just going to touch it anyway. The consequence reinforces the reality. But if we don't look through the, the eyes of the law of the Spirit, we look back at the consequences and we think that God was angry and mean. He wasn't. He was, he was allowing the lawlessness to run its course so that we would feel the consequences of our separation from Him. So that in the consequences of our lawlessness, we would say, oh my God, my separation from you has caused this pain, not you. So man has learned <laughs> through consequence, through the law of sowing and reaping, that there is a reality that if we make a wrong decision, there's a consequence attached to it. If we will live in the law of the spirit of life, the consequences will not be what governs us. The law of the spirit of life that's written on my heart will be what governs me. I don't have to have my hand burned because I touched a hot stove. I will know that stove is hot and I will not touch it. Because I can touch it if I want to. And the consequence will reinforce to me, whoa, I shouldn't have done that. But God doesn't want to reinforce our decision making through consequences. He wants to lead us with his eye. He wants to guide us by the loving connection of our heart. But we've become, we've allowed and we've stirred up this lawlessness in the church where we hate the old law 
and we've hated it so much or we've been frustrated or offended by the old law so much that, that we are now throwing off the new law. And instead of being really free, we have a false freedom. And that false freedom has taken us all the way back to the beginning to where now we're being confronted with consequences. And we're like, this doesn't make sense. Why is there still pain? Why is Because we're not living through the law of the spirit of life. We're not allowing our, the law of the spirit of life that's written on our hearts to guide us and keep us from the pain and the suffering. It's the lawlessness. <laughs> I want you to read Romans 7 and 8. Read Romans 7 and 8 because it gets into this. It really does, especially verses 1 through 12, Romans 7 1 through 12, and Romans 8 1 through 17. I'm not going to take the time and read it all today. It's homework. I basically summed up a lot of it just now. Romans 7 and 8, verses 1 through 12 and 1 through 17. You can read the whole chapters. It's all good. But for today's, today, what we're talking about is the undermining effects of lawlessness in the church. The actual word lawless means to be destitute, poor a violator, or without law. The house of iniquity. And iniquity, it's gross injustice. Iniquity is the patterns that cause us to do things that are foolish or sinful. You guys okay? I'll print this up as well. Because I'm jumping around so much, I didn't know how I was going to intro into this, and I just jumped into it. Dot, uh, cannonball <laughs> sorry yeah. kind of so i don't know where i'm at and i had all my notes lined out and blew that all up right now so i will print this if you want it and we'll we'll add it onto the link from the website as well so all right good we'll print some but a lawless one is one without the law either because they're ignorant of the law or because they violated it see i can be lawless and not even know it how many of you have ever been driving down a road and you don't know what the speed limit is and then a cop, has anyone has a cop ever pulled you over and said you're speeding well i didn't know i was speeding it doesn't matter you're still speeding <laughs> so how many remember this from driver's education what's the speed limit if you don't know what it is i think it's 30 or 35 miles per hour so if so we can be lawless and not even know it i've even said right now with the tax code that's about this thick I think I saw a picture one time that showed like the, the Declaration of Independence and all our documents next to our tax code. And our tax code is like this, and our freedom is like this, right? <laughs> well, if we, if we really want, if, if the IRS really wanted to, they could probably find where all of us are breaking the law somehow, and we don't even know it. We didn't even mean to or know we were doing it. There are so many laws. How could we possibly remember them all? Yeah? So we can be lawless and not know it. <clears throat> now, I said earlier that Satan was the first rebel. He was the first lawless one. He is the man of iniquity. And any time we're lawless, we're acting in the spirit of, of Satan. 
Now that's a hard, hard thing to think about because I don't want to do anything in the spirit of Satan. I don't even like talking about him. I think he gets a ping whenever someone mentions his name and it makes him feel good. So I just don't like to talk about him, right? Well, someone's talking about me. It feels good. Bloats his ego up or something. But when I act lawless or I throw off restraint, even in the name of freedom, I'm acting as the lawless one. See, law is actually vision. How many remember Proverbs 29, 18? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Who remembers the rest of the verse? But happy is he who keeps the law. <laughs> Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Where there is no vision, where there is no inner compass, the people cast off restraints. I have no vision, I have no purpose, I have no goal, I have no law written on my heart, so there's no need for restraints. I can do anything that I want to do. You're right, you can do anything you want to do. But as you'll see in the world system, when we do whatever we want to do, there are consequences to it. Because we're back under the old law. <laughs> Try not to jump ahead. I really want to, but I need to teach this out. When there is no law, when there is no inner compass, we run around unbridled. I remember years ago, I used to listen to Dr. Laura every day. I know, I'm a nerd. Don't laugh. I just, I know she was, she's kind of crazy and out there in some of her advice, but back in the day, I thought, man, this lady's awesome. I'm going to get some wisdom from her. And she made a statement one day, and it was for me, and it was for my life. It was a message for my life. And if I didn't go through that season of listening to her annoying voice, right, and, and her advice, then I would have missed this. And she said, some horses run better with bridles. Now, see, a bridle is, is not always on. It's put on for a purpose, and it's taken off when the purpose is served. And I thought that I was a free horse, and I needed to be wild and free and do whatever I want to do. And what I realized was I was lawless, and I kept bumping into the consequences of my lawlessness, and I'd be upset because my life wasn't where I wanted it to be with God. Or the, the surroundings around me didn't look like the vision or purpose I felt I had from God, and I thought it was a flaw with Him, or a flaw with me, and it was. I was lawless, but happy is he who keeps the law. It's not saying keep the old law. You know, even Paul, whenever he was going to many of the churches, they were trying to fulfill old, old celebrations and old festivals. And, and he's like, stop. You don't need to go back and fulfill all the old uh, Jewish customs. And we're under a new thing now. So you, you can't go back and try to fulfill the law again because that's called self-righteousness. And we won't succeed at it anyway. We have to come under the new law of the spirit of life. And the only way for that to happen is to be in Christ. So for the purposes of today, I said this a few weeks ago, but there's this lawless and anarchist movement in the church. Ouch. I used to be part of it. I was a card-carrying member. I hate anything that felt religious. And I would attack things that were really good because I thought they were religious. And I was arrogant and foolish. Still am in a lot of ways. And I remember 
And I had dinner with my, we went to a, a museum Friday night with my family. I took my mom and my dad. And I was talking about some things that the Lord's been talking to me about. And he goes, do you remember when I warned you about this? I was like, no. <laughs> he said, I, I, I warned you not to be rebellious, not to be a contrarian, not to be, um, not to attack religion just because it felt like religion to you. I warned you of this. I was like, well, I'm glad you warned me. I know it sunk in my heart somewhere, and it's now producing fruit. Thank you, Dad. But, uh, so I understand what it's like to grow up in church and to feel like that we're trying to be burdened with, with a yoke again. It, it's easy for us to take the great message of grace and the great message of the gospel and try to reduce it to some simple things for people to just follow. But what happens when we do that? If I come to Steve, I'm like, he's like, hey, man, I'm having a hard time with this. And I'm like, okay, let's try to work this out with the Lord. And, oh, I feel like there's three things you need to do. And if you'll do these three things, then you'll walk in freedom. Well, what have I just done to Stephen? I've just taken the stones of tablet again, and I've just written out the old covenant again for Stephen to follow. And we do that not, by, not with evil intent. We're suckers for rules. We're suckers for shortcuts. Look, just give me three rules. I can do those three things. We'll never do those three things, ever. Never, 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 no, no, never, no. <laughs> it won't happen. And we don't mean to do it. We're trying to make the gospel fit into a box, and it's not clean. The gospel's not neat and clean. The gospel of freedom, the gospel of liberty, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not this neat, clean, pretty thing with a bow on it. It's messy. Because we're all dealing with messes in our life. We're all dealing with flaws that, that are put on us that He didn't create for us, and we're learning how to throw them off. And it's messy. And so for us to reduce the beauty of the gospel is in its mess. The beauty of Jesus taking on flesh. That was messy for him to do. He took a glorified body and put on an earth suit. Old throw, throw out to an, uh, shout out to an old band. Anyone remember earth suit? Was that the name of a band? Yeah. He put on an earth suit. That was filthy. That sweat, that stunk, that had stomach problems, that had to use the restroom, that had all the stuff. I, I, I wonder if Jesus ever thought, I gave up glorified body for this. It, and that was the message of the gospel. The God who created us put on flesh so that he could feel what we feel. It's messy. It's supposed to be messy. And we get in church and we think that we have to disinfect everything. Here's hand sanitizer. You got saved? Here's all this hand sanitizer we give you. You need to pray. You need to read Bible. You need to go to church. Here's the hand sanitizer. You, you don't need to smoke anymore. You don't need to drink. You don't need to curse. You don't need to watch this and that. And we give the whole list. Here's the hand sanitizer. Why? Because we don't want to be dirty because you're dirty. But the beauty of the gospel is in how messy it is. How every one of our lives is messy and it's okay. He's putting us and making us beautiful. Think about the redemption story of the church when Jesus comes back. Going from spotted, wrinkled, ugly, without power, weak, anemic, into a beautiful bride that's without spot, without wrinkle, that's powerful, that looks just like Jesus. 
the redemption story. And the world is suckers for redemption stories. We love when someone goes through a mess and turns out awesome. So what's it going to be when the church realizes, oh, it's okay, we're messy here. We make mistakes. It's all right. The church, we're not perfect. We hurt people. We don't mean to. It's okay. We're learning. We're getting our legs. Like Ariel when she came out of the water and she's stumbling around. Or a baby horse when they're born. They're so clumsy. You're like, how is that horse ever going to be so majestic? And then they turn into this majestic horse that runs. And when they run, it's, that's one of the most beautiful things to me in creation is seeing a horse run full out. And they come out and they're slipping all over the place. That's the church right now. That's where we've been. We've slipped everywhere. We're stumbling. We've got, you know, stuff all over us from the birth. And we've, we're stumbling. But as the church grows, we can't sanitize. We cannot sanitize the church from pain. We cannot sanitize the church from the, the grind of becoming beautiful. But for some reason we try to do it, and then there's this movement where we want to do whatever we want to do when we want to do it, and it's really lawlessness. And it's, it's, a, it's proclaiming real freedom, but it's not freedom. Jesus did what he saw his father do. He said what he heard his father say. He was comfortable with having an internal law that governed his behavior. The Messiah allowed his connection to his father to be a law written on his heart so that he governed his behavior. And we've thrown that out in the church. It's okay. You can do whatever you want. You're right. You can do whatever you want. And that's part of the mess is figuring out what's beneficial and what's not. But we can't sanitize the church and then we can't go to the other extreme and say just do whatever you want. There has to be a very, there has to be the tension of the two. We're pressing the limits to see how much freedom we have, not in how we can use our freedom to sin, or how we can use our freedom to be more like the world, or how we can use our freedom to serve our desires. But we're pressing the limits of what can we really do with this new body, this new creation we are. At the same time, we're finding how we can restrain ourselves so that we can be better and more efficient. Power under restraint. Freedom under restraint. Proclaiming the freedom from law and restraint. But let me say this. You cannot have justice, you cannot have fairness, and you cannot have right or wrong without law. Amen? Let me ask you a question. How can you differentiate between Mother Teresa and and Hitler if there's no moral compass. If everything's okay and everything's awesome and you can do whatever you want, then there's no benefit to being a Mother Teresa. But we can look at Mother Teresa and compare her to Hitler and there's a unique, stark difference between the two. One is being led by a moral compass in her heart. So much so that she gave her, completely, her complete life for the, the lost, the lonely, the poor. And then you got another man who wanted to do the opposite, who wanted to oppress people. But if there's no moral compass, how can we decide which one was better? 
And so the world likes to say we want to be free. We want to do whatever we want. But then when the world's confronted with injustice, it complains. Because the world wants justice. Look at the riots going on in Ferguson and in St. Louis right now. Pray for them. Pray that godly men and women would rise up and give good voice to this. Because there are things that are wrong. There are things that are messed up. And this, this community is crying out for justice. They don't understand. But then at the same time, we run crazy and run amok and do whatever we want. You can't have justice and run amok. There has to be boundaries. There has to be laws. And the, the problem, and just say this real quick, the biggest concern I have for our country is we no longer have laws that we obey. We have become a lawless nation. Congress doesn't obey the laws. The president doesn't obey the laws. Senators don't obey the laws. We do whatever we want to do. We can't have justice in a free society without laws. The church cannot have justice in a free society without the law of the spirit of life. It's impossible. Everyone still with me? There's also no authority without law. There's no authority without law. Because the law reinforces the thing that's spoken from the authority. The law is the lanes, the boundaries. We have to have laws to have authority. And so what this spirit that's crept into this church, to, not our church, to the church, this lawless spirit has tried to undermine the authority of the bride. Listen to me. Every one of you carries this, the authority of the kingdom. When we say what the Father is saying, He is completely backing what we're saying with His authority. So the church has to accept the law of the spirit of life and we cannot embrace lawlessness because with lawlessness there is no authority. What happened to the seven sons of Sceva? What a crazy name. Sounds like a disease. You get the Sceva, man. You give me the Skeeves. You can make up some new words, right? These guys went out and they were trying to cast out demons and they were trying to do exactly what they saw the apostles doing. And what did the demons do to them? They beat them naked. The demons fought them, physically attacked them. As they said, we know Peter and we know Paul, but we don't know who you are. And my translation is like, we don't know who the H you are. That's why I just hear them saying, who are you? Who do you think you are? That's what happens when the church embraces lawlessness and then goes to try to heal the sick. Or cast out demons. Or bring freedom to families. I cannot be lawless and have the government of kingdom back me up. What did Isaiah say about Jesus? The prophecy. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And there will be no end to the increase of his government and of his peace. Okay, so let's take this picture. So the government of the kingdom will be upon Jesus' shoulder. What else was upon Jesus' shoulder? The dove. What did the dove represent? Holy Spirit. So it's the law of the Spirit. I believe with all my heart that if we can get 
embrace Holy Spirit in these last days, that He's going to bring the law of the Spirit onto the heart of the church, and it's going to bring revolution and breakthrough. It's the law of the Spirit. Holy Spirit is going to come sit upon our shoulders, and as He comes, He's going to bring the government of heaven with Him. When I hear the word government of heaven, I think of how heaven operates. The core values of heaven. The systems, the patterns, the behavioral um, aspects of heaven. So when Holy Spirit comes to the church, He won't come if we're lawless. He will not rest upon a lawless one. But as He comes and rests upon us, He brings with Him the government of heaven. And we're going to be able to speak with the authority of the government of heaven. And we also will be sent ones. <laughs> we will be the ones who arise and shine. And it says, and kingdoms will come to the brightness of your shining. Nations will pursue you. See, we have been through uh, the last hundred years, or a little over a hundred years, we have seen the greatest evangelistic push worldwide that's ever happened in, the, in history, even back in Paul's time. He, he went all over the, the known world at that time, but I mean in sheer numbers of people being converted to the kingdom over the last hundred years is phenomenal. Whole nations have come to the Lord. The church in China has erupted over the last hundred years. The continent of Africa, has, has, it has that battle between the, the Islam and Christianity. And there are so many Christian nations in Africa. Entire nations that are Christians. Small countries we've never heard of that are just kingdom people. And it happened when we were sent to the world. Some guys went to a revival in Azusa Street in California and got on fire for God. And they believed that God gave them something that the world needs. And they would hide inside of apple crates for embarrassment. So that no attention was brought to them. They didn't have Twitter followers and campaigns for marketing. They hid. They hid. And these people with no money, with no technology, with no ability to travel with no education of foreign languages, said, you know what? We're just going to go, and Holy Spirit's going to empower us when we get there. And if we need to learn a new language, the Holy Spirit will give us this language. And they would go to these tribes and these nations that they've never heard the language before, and Holy Spirit would give them the language, and they would know the language. And these tribes would be saved, and people would be delivered and healed. Miracles were happening. They still are across the planet. But this is a different year of evangelism this is a different season of of evangelism coming whereas we went i'm not saying we'll ever stop going hear me just because we enter into a shift doesn't mean we stop doing the good we were doing we're still going to go and we're told to go it was the command of christ but i want to say that in this season that's coming the world is going to come to the church the world is going to seek out righteous people we're going to go but as we go, they're going, to be, they're going to become curious and they're going to seek us out. Some Daniels, some Josephs, some Esthers are going to be raised up. And it's going to look like they're just operating in the system. But they've been sown there covertly. And they're carrying the law of the Spirit on their heart. And so the government and the authority of heaven is backing them. And kingdoms are going to come.
to the church for answers. But it will not happen if we're lawless. Try to cut this down a little bit. Let's tie it up with this, all right? The law of sin and death revealed how dead we were. Let's see, from the time of uh, Adam and Eve up until the law, the life expectancy just began to drop. I mean, people used to live almost a thousand years. And now all of a sudden, they're not living a thousand years anymore. And now there's famines and pestilence. And there's evil happening on the earth. Can you imagine living in that time? Can you imagine being a descendant of Adam and Eve or Adam and Eve? Knowing the garden. And then now seeing the world fallen. And not knowing the fullness of what's going on. But when, when God gave them com- the command in the garden, He says, don't eat of that tree or you will surely die. And the serpent was like, you're not going to die. And when they ate the, the fruit, they didn't immediately die. But what they did was they unleashed death on the planet because the wages of sin is death. So f- until the law came, people were dying I mean, there are stories of, of sons out in the field working and they would just fall dead of a heat stroke. And they didn't understand. They didn't know. But when the law came, the law revealed that death comes because of the wickedness, because of lawlessness. Then mankind began to connect the dots. Pain, suffering comes with sin. Oh God, please come and forgive us of our sins. And we cried out for a Savior and He sent us a Savior. But He didn't leave us empty. He gave us a new law. I, I really just want to hit that hard. We have a new law to follow. It's the law of the Spirit of life. Amen? Amen. He didn't Im- abolish the old one. He created a new one. He always exchanges things. He never takes something without replacing it with something better. Never. God never will take a bondage and leave that place where the bondage was empty. He always will fill it with something else. Because His kingdom expands. It doesn't subtract or it doesn't stay the same. So when He, when he works in us and uproots things out of us that shouldn't be there, He replaces it with something that's going to grow and expand. Otherwise, we would be destroyed. We would fall apart. So when God took the old law and fulfilled it. He replaced it with a new law. And I want us to embrace this, all right? <clears throat> all right, let's close it out. I'm convinced that there's a big transformation coming. I, we've been feeling it. The church is realizing that God really is good. And ha- that has awakened us to some realities that we wouldn't have thought of if we didn't see He was good. It caused us to ask some questions. It caused us to pursue Him or to seek parts of Him that we thought were off limits until He gave us permission to say our Father. And there's a shift. And He's healing the wounds of an orphaned planet. We, we heard Bob and Kim talk about an orphaned planet. He says in the last days He would send the spirit of Elijah and He would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. 
It's the spirit of fatherhood that he's released, and it's good. But that was to set up the greatest transformation the world has ever seen. We think the last hundred years were amazing, and we think that millions of converts were amazing. Wait until billions of people are, are converted. What does a million look like next to a billion? I'll take the million because of God's goodness. But we're entering into a new season where he's transferring his goodness into us. And as we become ones um, converted to the law of the spirit of life, the government comes with us everywhere we go and we shift atmospheres. And no longer will it be strange for a Billy Graham to be a spokesperson to the presidents. There's going to be hundreds and thousands of people that are spokespeople for high level businesses. I, I'm telling you, this is all over me. High levels of business, high levels of influence in Google. Google's like the greatest company on the planet right now. It's the biggest thing going. And I prophesy that God's going to, that he has already sown in kingdom people into Google that's going to be used for the kingdom. And, I, and if, if the hundred years we just came out of were amazing, wait till our kids look back. And they say some people thought that nothing was impossible. And some people decided that being under the law of the Spirit wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. And my parents threw off lawlessness because they had a vision. They had a value for what God values. Look what God did through them. Our kids are going to build up on this. <laughs> and here's what's going to happen. The world, again, is going to see that pain comes from sin. We've sold this the wrong way. We have sold it the wrong way. We've sold it as you need to be shackled because your freedom is what causes pain. But that's not true. It's our sin that causes pain. And when the world hears, when the world goes through the old covenant model of, man, why are people dying all of a sudden? Why is there pain and suffering? And when they connect the dots the way they did in the Old Covenant, oh, sin is what causes pain? Ebola comes because of sin? Murder in our cities and our streets comes because of sin? Not because of evil people in leadership? It comes because of sin? When this awareness, when the consciousness of the planet comes to this realization, then the planet is once again going to cry out, God, help us. Save us from the pain of sin. Save us from the penalty of our sins. And it's no longer going to be a bad thing to say we're sinners. The world is going to say, forgive us, God. And He's going to send His Spirit again. Amen? Amen. And I believe that's what we're called to carry. And I'm telling you that the, the direction that I feel, the calling that I feel, is to preach into this for the rest of my life. To understand what this message, this message today is my heart message. This is it. I love the law. I, I'm not a lawbreaker. I don't like to break the rules. I used to break the rules, but now I understand the rules are for my benefit. Young people, the rules are for your benefit. You're going to stand before God all by yourself. You don't have to take the consequences of bad decisions. You don't have to feel the pain of messing up. You can walk by the law of the Spirit and not feel the pain and suffering that comes from bad choices. And the world's going to hear this again. And instead of thinking the church is trying to shackle them 
or conform them to some kind of religion and ideology, they're going to realize, no, they're actually compassionate for us. See, we were eager. When when I see my kids do something that's going to hurt them, I want to hurry and restrict them because I don't want them to feel pain. Well, that's the immediate response that we've had as a church. But now we're moving into maturity that says, nope, I don't need to immediately control them. I need to let them know that the pain is coming from this source. You don't need to be controlled to stop the pain. But if, if you sin, the pain comes from the sin. And the world needs to know it's love. It's not control. We're not afraid anymore of the world. We're not afraid of homosexuality. We're not afraid of sins that comes from... We're not afraid of promiscuity and abortion. We're not afraid of these things. They hurt. They hurt. They hurt people. And Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to take the pain of the world away. And He did it at the cross. And the fact that there's still pain on the earth means that the church has to stop it. If he paid for it at the cross, the fact that there's still pain and suffering and sickness and disease and all of this means that our work is not done yet and we need to come under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. See, that's where there is no condemnation. For the law of the spirit of life, Romans 8, in Christ Jesus set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh God did by sending Jesus in the form of flesh. What the law couldn't do, Jesus did. I just want to cry for the world. I just want to cry for the church. Why don't you just pray, God, we come to you now. We, we intercede. We stand in the gap for our world. We break agreement with the lies. The pain and suffering doesn't come from people and leadership. The pain and suffering doesn't come because we're we're free to do whatever we want. It comes from sin. And God, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for the sins in our land, God. Us, the church. Me, the church. Bring me under subjection, God. I trust you. Submission's not scary, God, because I trust you. Yes, sir, God. I told you all this before, but the Lord told me that maybe 10 or 12 years ago. That yes, sir, is a military term to be used in times of warfare. And I didn't understand it then. I had no idea what it meant. I thought, okay, that's a really weird thing to keep repeating to me, God. And he would just say it. Yes, sir, is a military term to be used in times of warfare. Yes, sir, is a military term to be used in times of warfare. I would wake up and that thing would just be going over my head. I'd go to sleep and it would be going over my head. But now I think I understand it. I think I understand it. In these times, we have to be a people that know how to say, yes, sir. We have to be spirit-led. We have to be spirit-led. If I'm lawless, I cannot be led by the Spirit. Why don't you stand? Let's pray into this. Why don't you just pray where you're at? Pray for the Lord to write on your heart the law of the Spirit of life, yeah? Yes, God. Write it on our hearts. Burn it on our hearts, God.
(laughs) Seal our hearts with this law of the Spirit. Let us be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered, God. We will no longer undermine the authority of the kingdom with lawlessness. (sighs) Drive out rebellion, God. Drive out witchcraft, God. Drive out Jezebel, God. Drive out passion for our flesh, God. We take the scales you gave us earlier this year, God, and we're weighing what's valuable and what's not valuable. And your spirit, your kingdom, the new law is of supreme value to us. Why don't you just talk to him? Ask him to, to show you how you can, uh, how there's maybe you've been lawless to reveal it and then cast the lawlessness out. Deal with it strongly. Don't, don't allow it to stay there. We drive out lawlessness from this church, from my heart, God. We love your laws. We will be those who are happy because we keep the law. What is the law of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, temperance, self-control. This is the law. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We say, yes, sir, God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You deserve to be called sir. Because you are Lord. You are not just our friend. You're not just our savior. You're not just our God. You are our Lord. Our Lord. You are the master of this house. You are the Lord. Whatever you want. Yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. So Holy Spirit is going to help us as we grow into this, what this means. But here's how he's going to start it. He's stirring it up now, but we're going to begin to, we're going to feel convicted when we're being lawless. (laughs) Lord, help us. (laughs) Simple things. But I also want you to realize that we're going to feel convicted when we're being lawless according to the new law as well. (laughs) If someone at work is sick and we don't pray for them and heal them, then we're being lawless. Because that's the new law of the Spirit, is to heal the sick. So we're, we're putting a demand on the new law as well. We're not just trying to uphold the old law. We're putting a demand on the new law as well. Which means there's a higher standard. Grace has a higher standard than the law. So if a family's falling apart, we can't let them fall apart. We can't. Cannot allow it. If 
our sons or our daughters are going the wrong way. We can't allow that. We have to stand up and say no. We have to stand up and say no. We have to bring things back into alignment with the, with the Holy Spirit. It's making sense. So yeah, if I'm speeding, the Lord's going to remind me this week. If I just run a red light because I see no purpose for the red light, there's no one around, the Lord's going to remind me I'm being lawless. But also, but also when we see people where I hear a prophetic word and I don't give it, I'm being lawless. We're dead. We're dead. Romans says that as long as a man is is dead, the law has no hold on them. <laughs> and so I'm at the old covenant, the old law. So we're dead. We have a new law that we're, we're responsible. We're obligated to this new law. And if you think the word obligation is scary, Paul uses it all the time. He says, I'm obligated to the gospel. He called himself a bond servant, which means <laughs> I'm free to go, but I choose to stay. So, Father, Father, make us bond servants. We're free to say no to you. We're free to leave, but we choose to stay. Like when Jesus said to the disciples, are you going to leave too? You can go if you want. And they said, where will we go? You have the words of life. God, we want that to be our hearts. Where would we go, Lord? Who would we follow? When you speak, we come alive, God. So yeah, we can leave, but we choose to stay, God. We gladly choose to stay. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm sniffling and crying up here in this. I can't escape it. It's right here. Oh. Can we just pray one more time? I'm not going to pray. I want you just to pray where you're at. This is real freedom. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Let him do what he's doing in your heart. I don't want to rush through these things.
deep work in us, God. Today, everything changes. We are now responsible for what we just realized. <laughs> and the responsibility is light. It's not heavy. It's our honor. It's also our food to do the will of the one who sent us. We say what you said, Jesus. Now, why don't you just welcome Holy Spirit? I think we should do that every day. We should just tell Him, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I welcome you into my life again and again and again. I welcome your activity in my life. I welcome your input. We love you, Holy Spirit. I'm always the last one to leave a movie theater, too. It's a good movie. I'm like, I want it to sink in. I don't want to just get up and leave. That's the way I feel right now. I don't want to just move on. This is where we practice focus, too, in these moments. Don't let, don't let the enemy or anything else change the subject this week. This has to be the subject of our life. It has to. And ask, explore Romans 7 and 8. Explore the law of the spirit of life. Find out what it means. Find out what's available. Press the boundaries of what's possible in the new law. And then we should become righteously indignant when anything confronts the new law. Okay? Amy feels that need to, we feel that, oh, I need to move to the next thing. So hard to break that. It's, I feel it. I, I feel like I need to release you, but I know I don't need to. But if you need to go, you need to go. You know that kind of thing? We have to learn to, our spirit has to be in authority. 
when our soul is in authority or our body is in authority, it ruins everything. And there's a divine order. And that's where our spirit tells our soul and our body what to do. Amen? So that urge to move on. Soul, body, I'm telling you right now to chill. Feel him? He's building structures now in us to support the authority that's coming. So, Father, I ask you to strengthen those foundations. Strengthen the structures you're building. Last thing I'm going to say, I'm turning the mic off and I'm going to pray right here. But Jesus wanted to tell the disciples everything. He wanted to disclose all of it. He says, but if I do, it'll crush you. But when Holy Spirit comes, He will tell you everything. We're in that time. The Holy Spirit will tell us everything. So get ready. That means we need to have the structures being, being fortified and built. Amen.